This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This 12-part series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need 20 right decisions to get very rich. Four or five will probably do it over time. Knowing what to leave out is important as knowing to focus on it. Generally speaking, investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own talent. Welcome to Get Started Investing, a series of lessons to help you on your investing journey. This is for anyone who wants to start investing but is really not sure where to start. Our aim is to break down the markets to make them as accessible as possible to you. My name's Bryce, and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's good, Bryce. You would think after hearing that intro for the seventh time, I would be a bit over it, but just as excited as the first time I heard it. <laughs> Great. That is positive news, because if you were starting to lose interest and fade on me here, that is not good news. No, so. No, no, we're just <laughs> So, Ren, today we have an official stance here at Equity Mates <laughs> that we hate jargon. We try to deliver things in layman's terms and break it down so that everyone can understand all the, I guess, the big bad jungle of investing, as I referred to it a few episodes ago. Yeah, the only podcast with an official p- policy position on jargon. <laughs> and we're willing to take that to the election and we'll stand by it and we'll deliver it to the Australian people. Absolutely, Ren. So what we decided to do in this episode is actually break down some of the more common jargon that is out there. We've made the commitment to stick to a no jargon series, but we may as well break some of the ones down that you're probably going to hear more often than not. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've touched on this before, but the jargon, the terminology that I didn't understand, like all that stuff was the reason that it took me so long to get interested in in investing. It's a whole other world out there, but the concepts that we're talking about, investing in good companies that make money and holding them for a long period of time aren't complicated, but the industry has an incentive to make it complicated because it creates reliance on the experts in the industry. Yeah. If they're not using jargon and they're trying to break it down in simple terms, no need the, for them. there's less need for them. Yeah. So financial advisors are really important. They play a role. But there's a lot of people in the industry that thrive on retail investors, everyday people thinking that they can't do it themselves. So we're here to destroy the industry <laughs> <That's> that has <laughs> been built around jargon. No, because people in the industry will still play a role, but- We'll be more informed. Yes. We'll be able to ask better questions. We'll know what they're saying more. We'll be able to take more control and call out bullshit if there is bullshit. <laughs> absolutely. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. We okay. have an official <laughs> open free speech policy. <laughs> so, Ren, in this episode today, we're going to have a look at key concepts and jargon terminology around the market, around company-specific sort of terminology, and also some trading terms that everyone will probably come across at some point in their investing journey. And then 
we will touch on, I guess, more so around if you do come across jargon, how to find out what it means. That's probably the, the main message we want to get yeah. out of this. In the spirit of give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. We're not going to be able to break down every piece of jargon that you'll come across. No, that would be really boring. It would be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to answer all the questions as well. But we want to give you guys some of the simple tips and tricks we learned as we tried to figure out what the hell some of this jargon meant through our investing journey. So my challenge for this episode is to keep Ren on track. He does like to yell, and this could go for a while. So Ren, in 20 words or less, we're going to try and cover these off. Is that possible? Yep. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start with the market, I think, Ren. Oh, sorry. It's possible. It may not be probable. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Highly unlikely. <laughs> All right. So let's start with the market, and I think we'll start with bull and bear. How about that? Sounds good. So- You'll often hear people say we're in a bull market or a bear market. What they're referring to, a bull market is when the market is on an upwards trend, so prices are getting higher. A bear market is when the market is on a downward trend, so prices are getting lower. And then people will say they're feeling bullish, which means they think prices are going to go up, or they're feeling bearish, which means they think prices are going to go down. People can feel that way about markets. They can feel that way about individual stocks. It's a terminology for whether people are feeling positive or negative about a sector, market, industry, stock, whatever. Nice. Out of 10, that was pretty succinct. I'll give you eight. (laughs) Should we explain why they call it bull and why they call it bear? From memory, the last time that we looked into this, there wasn't a hard and fast. I think think it is- I had a different reason to what you had. What comes to mind is that bears attack downwards with their claws and then bulls attack upwards with their horns. Okay. Okay. Is that not what's in your mind? I had bear- no, look, I'm not going to go down that path. Oh, what did you have? <laughs> I honestly can't remember. It was to do with some sort of old school merchant and to do with the fur off the back of the bear and all this sort of stuff. I'll have to look into it and I'll come back to it at some point. Okay. But all right. All yeah, right. Look, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Ren, I'm going to cover chess. And this is something that is to do with brokers and your brokerage account. You'll often see that when you sign up to a brokerage account, you will get a chess number. So, chess stands for Australian Clearinghouse Electronic sub-register system. Simply put, what it means is that if you are chest sponsored, it means the ASX is keeping a list of who owns what shares. That's really all it is. And there's probably not too much more to worry about that at this point in time. So what's the opposite of that? The opposite of chess? Yeah. Uh, Sech. <laughs> so, so you said chess, the ASX keeps a list of who owns the shares. Yeah. What would the alternative of that be? So if you're not chess sponsored, then it means you are probably in a position where you are issuer sponsored or you are under a custodian system. And that means the custodian essentially holds a record of the shares that you have. In real simple terms, Mm -hmm. some brokers that you sign up with, uh, the ASX will list you, i.e. Bryce Lesky, as the owner of the shares. But some brokers that you sign up with, the ASX will have the broker listed as the shareholder. Or, the, or someone, some other third party listed as a shareholder, and then they'll have a record of you owning it? Is that what you're saying? In some instances, like for example, stake, ASX doesn't have a list of who owns it because they're obviously Whoa. American stocks. <laughs> but yes, it, simply put. Okay. The relevant market will have it down as either you holding it yep. 
or a third party or your broker holding it. And then that third party or your broker will then have a record that you own it. Yeah. Well, not that I own it because of the custodian. I don't actually have full ownership of that. I have rights to it, but I don't have ownership of it. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I just don't think that that's, that's made it very clear. Well, I wasn't planning to go down the whole route of custodian verse, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, you you don't want to just leave it at, oh, well, look, some brokers, you don't actually own what you say you, <laughs> exactly. you, say you own. <laughs> you don't because it's custodian. So uh, let's say uh, this, this could go down a rabbit hole, yeah. but let, let's say the broker then just said, no, you don't own it anymore. Do you have any rights? Uh, it can get very complicated. If, if your broker is a custodian model and your broker goes bust, then the rights to that and your ownership of those shares is not as clear cut as if you were chess sponsored. And through like, for example, CBA, it goes bust. You still directly own those shares. But if you're custodian, you have rights to it, but you may, if, if the, the broker goes bust, you don't have full ownership of those shares. Okay, it's a worrying note to leave that one on. (laughs) Before we keep going, we're just going to take a very short break to hear from our sponsors. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. All right, let's pick it up. Equities. Do you want to do that one? Equities, simply put, is just another terminology for stocks, shares. We can probably leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. means the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ren, liquidity. It's the amount of buying and selling of a particular asset. So if there's lots of money changing hands over a particular asset, it's said to be a very liquid asset. If there's not a lot of buyers and sellers in a market, it's said to be illiquid. The more liquid an asset the safer it is because you'll be able to sell it more easily. Some illiquid assets, if things go terribly wrong, will be very hard to sell. Can you give an example of something that is highly liquid versus something that is not so or illiquid? Yep. So a highly liquid asset would be a big stock. So Commonwealth Bank in Australia is extremely liquid. Uh, Because it's easy to sell. Yeah, because there's heaps of people buying and selling shares in it every day. Yeah. A highly illiquid asset, easier example would be a house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. What else have we got? So we got ETFs. Now we've touched on those before in our index episode. Yep. So just you'll see ETFs a lot. And yeah. Just think of them as the wrapper for what is in the ETF. It's just the way to access what the ETF is holding. ETF, exchange traded fund. That's it. Yeah. Ren, crypto. Yeah. Everyone's uh, <laughs> favorite want, buzzword. You wanted to throw this one I in. I did. Define well, crypto. Yeah. So people will often, uh, you'll, you'll hear a lot about crypto. Crypto is 
like Bitcoin and stuff like that. It's a it's an alternative currency. It's arguably an investable asset. People invest in it, but cryptocurrency is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. There's a number of other ones out there, but just for the purposes of jargon, if you hear the term crypto, it's just those Bitcoin-like assets. Nice. Yeah. Last one in market jargon, capital. In terms of finance, capital is, I guess, primarily money used to start a company or to use to invest in a company or to invest in running of the company or a company could use it to buy assets or other companies. I guess it's money put to use in, I guess, an investing standpoint or to get things off the ground. You'll hear terms like deploy capital, invest capital, uh, use capital to do this, that. Just think of it in simple terms as use money, deploy money, invest money. Nice. So let's move on to some company specific stuff. So people will probably hear about the PE ratio, Ren, or the price to earnings ratio. Yeah. Now I just, I want to jump in here because we're ripping through these terms. Yeah. The idea of this is to give you a taste. At the end of this episode, we're going to give you some resources for how to go back over these terms and also more generally how to find out about terms. So don't worry if we're moving too quickly. Yeah. But in saying that, PE ratio, price to earnings ratio is probably, I would say it's the most common metric that people look at when they're looking at companies. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah. 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 Probably our oh, share price might be the most common. But, <laughs> and so essentially what that says is what's the price, the share price, and how much profit does the company make per share? And then you say, what's the ratio between the two? And a low ra- ratio means that you're getting more earnings for the price, essentially. And then the higher the ratio, it means you're getting less earnings for the price that you're paying. Yeah. And- Generally, markets sit between a price to earning. So companies sit between sort of fifteen to twenty price to earnings is sort of an average band. And so, if it's lower than that, people say, "Oh, that company might be cheap." And if it's higher than that, people sometimes will say, "Oh, that company looks expensive." Mm-hmm. That's a rough rule of thumb, mm-hmm. but it's just a very common metric to sort of assess the relationship between the price that you're paying and the profitability of the company. Yeah, yeah. nice. Income statement and balance sheet. I think with this one, it's probably not important to go deep, but more important just to spell out the difference. Yeah. So income statement and balance sheet, both very important financial statements used to measure or I guess get an insight into the performance of a company. So the income statement is simply a record of income and expenses for that year. And the balance sheet is a record of total assets and liabilities. So you get an overall position of if the company is in debt or if it's in a a positive asset situation. So speed round for you. If I wanted to find out how profitable a company was, which one would I look at? If you wanted to find out how profitable, you would look at the income statement. And if I wanted to find out how much cash the company held? You would look at the balance sheet. If I wanted to find out how much sales the company had done? Income statement. If I wanted to see how much debt the company had? Balance sheet. Nice. So I passed Ren's test. You did, you did. <laughs> I think that would be probably the key things that people yeah. would look for in yeah. terms of understanding where they sit on those two. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of income, Ren, what is a dividend? Yeah. Dividend is a nice little bonus for investing. Yes. So the way the company thanks you. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, as a part owner of these companies, as we keep talking about, that's how you have to think about yourself when you're investing in these companies. You own the company. And as an owner, you're entitled to the profits that the company makes, depending on the company. But 
generally every six months, at least the bigger companies will pay a dividend. And that is essentially the profits being paid out to the owners. Yeah. And so for each share that you own in the company, you will get a certain dollar amount or cents amount of a payout. So think of dividends as the profits being given to you as a owner of the business. Yeah. Yeah. So if Woolworths, just really basically, if Woolworths pay a 52 cent dividend and I'm a Woolworths shareholder, how do I know what I'm entitled to? So you look at the number of shares you own. So let's say you own 10 shares. Woolies say each share we're paying 52 cents. Yeah. So that means as a owner of 10 shares, you will get paid by Woolies $5.20. Nice. If you own 100 shares, you get $52. You know, it just, it scales up like that. Does every company pay a dividend? No. So the company will announce the dividends that they pay. In Australia, most of the big companies will pay a dividend. Australians love dividends. Yes. And how it comes into your bank account is, well, traditionally, they used to send physical checks, checks, which was always annoying because they used to go to the bank. Who who goes to bank branches these (laughs) days? But now most of it's done electronically. Yes. Yeah. And do I have a choice? Do I always get dividend in cash? So there is a concept called the dividend reinvestment plan. Yeah. What that allows you to do is, so let's let's use your Woolies example. Let's say you owned 100 shares and they were going to pay you $52. You could say, hold on Woolies, I really like you as a company. Rather than giving me cash from the business, I want you to take the money that I earn as an owner and use that to increase my ownership stake in the company. And so what they do is they say, all right, well, you are entitled to $52. Rather than paying Bryce that in cash, we will go and invest that back into our company. And so they will buy shares on your behalf, and then you will increase the amount of shares that you have in the company. Very powerful tool if you plan on staying with the company for a long period of time and reinvesting your dividends year after year. That's where you can really start to generate some solid compound. Yeah. Compound, a term that you will explain now, I guess. <laughs> well, we did mention it at the start of very start of the we show, did, and yep. eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. Does that count as jargon? Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, compound is essentially year on year growth that I guess exponentially increases the longer that you let compounding do its thing. So, as the example that we gave right at the start of the show. I have $10,000 and it grows 10% that year. So that's a $1,000 growth, taking my total pool to $11,000. Then the next year it grows at 10% again. And so it's growing on an $11,000 base. So the return is 1,100 and then so on and so on. And so as you find the longer you go, because you're growing off a bigger and bigger base each year, you're, you're compounding on that and the returns become larger and larger. Very powerful tool to building wealth over a long period of time. 100%. Okay, so we have ripped through some market terms. We've ripped through some company-specific terms. I think let's finish up with some terms that we might see just in the course of buying and selling and trading. Sure. And then let's get into the broader skills. So do you want to kick us off? What's What's a portfolio? Yeah, this is a good question because we had a listener actually send in an email a couple of days ago wanting some clarification on this because they wanted to know, is a portfolio just 
classified as, say, if you have two brokers, does that mean you have two portfolios? If you have shares, cash, and crypto, does that mean you have three portfolios? So there are different ways to look at this, but I guess as I see it, your total portfolio is the makeup of all of your assets into one pool. So I would classify my total portfolio as my cash, as my, say, if I had a house, my stock brokerage accounts, all as one, so that I get a total value of my portfolio. Now, you might want to classify it as just your stocks, your stock portfolio. You might have a property portfolio. Essentially, portfolio is the the total of whatever you're defining it as. Yeah. Nice one. Next term, volatility. This is a term that you see a little bit and it really just refers to the movement in price and companies are more volatile if prices move up and down in a bigger range. Prices are less volatile if they move in a smaller range. So they there's less wild swings in the price. Now, companies and assets that are less volatile are said to be less risky because there's less chance of a big swing going against you. So you'll, you'll hear volatility talked about a lot in terms of stocks are looking very volatile, the market was very volatile. Just think of it in terms of the risk of big price fluctuations. Nice. All right. So the next one we have is yield, Ren. Now, you discussed this when it came to bonds, yep. but I think simply put, yield is the cash return that you get from an, an asset. An investment, yeah. Yeah. So a dividend is really a yield yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, people will talk about dividend yield. Yeah. 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 So Ren, can you explain to me what is meant by diversification yes. and or allocation? Diversification is an important term because you'll see it a lot. Yeah. And essentially it is the concept of having multiple investments across different asset classes, across different countries, across different industries. And the reason that you diversify your portfolio is to mitigate the risk. If you have a very concentrated portfolio, so the opposite of diversification is concentration. If you concentrating all your investments into you know, one asset and something goes wrong in that country or that market or that industry, then your portfolio is tanked. Then mm. your investment, you'll lose money. But if you diversify, if you have lots of different investments across different geographies and different industries, the risk of one investment failing leading to your whole portfolio tanking is greatly reduced. Yeah. So it's a, it's a diversification is a very simple way of mitigating some risk in your investing. Yeah. And to round it out, Ren, capital gains. Now, we spoke about capital being money that you can deploy essentially into some investment or to get a business off the ground. Capital gains simply refers to the gain that you get in a dollar's point of view from that capital itself. So I guess if I put in $10,000 into Apple and it appreciates to be worth $12,000, that $2,000 difference is known as your capital gains. There's two real forms of making money, I guess, from a tax perspective. Yeah. It's the income and then capital gains. So let's do a quick quiz. Okay. Where do they fall under? Your shares appreciate in value and then you sell them. That is capital gains. Yeah. Income from a job. Oh, I kind of gave it away there, didn't I? <laughs> That's income. <laughs> Dividends? Dividends is income. Yeah. Making money selling a house. Capital gains. Okay. Losing money selling a car. Capital loss. Yeah, yeah. Getting money from renters in your property. Income. Yeah. So, essentially, the difference is income is... So, capital gains is money made when you sell an asset yep. uh, or an investment and... Income is money that 
comes in from activity, I guess. From that asset. Yeah. 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 Or from, you know, your labor yeah. in terms of your job. Yeah. Do you have a preference to one or the other? Oh, money's money. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, in, uh, if we talk from an Australian context, there's some tax advantages from the capital gain side of things. Yep. For example, if you hold an asset for over a year and then you sell it, there's a capital gains discount on your tax. So there's probably some tax benefits from capital gains, but look, money's fungible. Not going to say no. So Ren, we have a glossary at our website, equitymates.com forward slash glossary that is tailored to cover a lot of terminology that you'll come across early in your investing journey. So head over there and check it out. If there's anything on there that you would like clarification, uh, hit us up. We're on social or you can hit us at contact at equitymates.com. But I think what we want to finish with, Ren, and this is something that is dear to your heart, is more about figuring out how to find information on terminology that is understandable that you're probably going to come across in your investing journey. And as you said, it's all about getting that process so that if you do come across something you don't understand, how do you then go and understand it? Well, let's talk from personal experience. When you come across a term that you're not sure about, what do you first do? Straight to Google. Yeah. Yeah. Just literally define semicolon yeah. word. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's how I would first do it as well. And then there are a lot of pretty good websites, Investopedia yeah. and those sorts of yeah. things that break it down for you in, in pretty comprehensive yet understandable ways. So yeah, yeah there's definitely tools out there. Yeah. I think the main thing is that you take the five minutes to actually figure out what they're talking yeah. about. I think Investopedia was where I was going to go next. That's, mm. a, that's a really good resource. We obviously have a glossary. If none of those yield results, I think the best thing to do is to have someone you can ask. Now, if you don't have a mate who's interested in investing or you know a parent who knows what they're talking about, we've built a discussion group for people to ask questions like this. And I think that's probably a really useful way to clarify things so that you don't understand it. Yeah. So on Facebook, Equity Mates Discussion Group, yeah. free to join, some good uh, people there helping. <laughs> so look, I think having someone to ask is really important. You can do it that way. And then I think the last thing, if you've tried to find that information information yourself and you haven't been able to understand it if you've asked either people in your own life or you know the discussion group or whatever and you still don't really understand it I think if you have a financial advisor definitely hit them up first for a lot of young people especially they're not they're not in a position to have a financial advisor yet don't let the jargon deter you I think is the main thing there will be things that you don't understand there's definitely things that we don't understand but if it leads to you not investing at all that's a real loss I yeah think. absolutely yeah. so don't get caught up in it all it'll slowly make sense as you progress through your journey don't feel like you need to understand a balance sheet and an income statement from the get-go. It takes a long time to get a grip of these sorts of things. So as Ren said, don't let it stop you. Yeah. Read around it to try and understand what, you, what you're reading from context and just keep learning. Nice one, Ren. Well, always good to chat markets and stocks with you. I hope we have been able to break down yet another barrier that are stopping people from entering the markets. As we said at the start of the show, our aim is to make the markets as accessible as possible. So we are one step closer to, to breaking all those barriers that we faced as a beginner investor. So without going into any more detail, I think we will leave it there and chat next episode. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Get Started Investing is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances or goals. 
the hosts of Get Started Investing may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.